The message today is, is the king keys to the blessings. Keys for blessings, right? In other words, is obedience produces experience. Okay, obedience produces experiences. Okay, and so this morning I'd like to, uh, I got a lot of questions whenever I'm a pastor or when people know that you are a Christian, and, and I'm sure you get this too, whenever you say that you're a Christian or whenever you believe in Jesus and you have you have people that are really skeptical. You have people that come in your life and, and, and try to question things about what you believe. And uh, it's always uh, one of those things that you're like, why are you attacking me? Why, you, why do I feel like you're attacking me? Right? And, um, but let me first explain that Jesus says, blessed are you who believe and allow persecution to happen, allow things to happen in your life, and you stand for what you believe in Blessed are you. Let me, let me make sure that that's clear. But I have a lot of skepticism. I have a lot of questions that usually come uh, to me. And, and they, they ask questions like, does God, uh, why does God not do the things that he used to do in the Bible? Okay, why does God not do some of the cool, awesome things that was done in the Bible? Why does God not act like he did when he was in the Bible? Where is that God? Where is that God? Why aren't we experiencing some of the same God things that happen that we see portrayed in the Bible, right? And what are they talking about? They're talking about stories like we see, like Moses, okay? Well, we all know the story of Moses, right, and the, and the burning bush, and then also the Red Sea, and all these different stories where, uh, you know, Moses did some awesome things. Of course, we all know God was there and God did it, right? But that was the experience. They got to see the, the burning bush not catch on fire. How many would be excited to see something so cool? How many would be excited to experience something so amazing where the, uh, a river just splits in half? Man, what an experience to see. What an experience to be there and go, oh my goodness, what is going on? That's crazy. So that's why people say, why don't we experience stuff like that? How come we haven't heard of a, of a river splitting in two? Well, stories like Elijah, right? Elijah who would, who would call down God and, and mock the false gods from fire from heaven. How cool would that be to be on that mountain at that time, right? How cool would it be, especially right after all these other prophets were trying to get it done and they couldn't do it and, and you kind of just want to like laugh at him a little bit, and, and here comes God, and, and God just burns the, the calf all up and everything, and, and you're like, that's cool. Boom. Drop mic, right? You get excited. How come God doesn't do ex some cool stuff like that? What about Noah? Noah. Sometimes, you know, it's such a children's story, but we forget the fact that, you know, no one understood what rain really was at this time. No one knew if some strange old guy just walked up and said, you know, we need to be prepared because rain's coming. There's going to be a flood. At this time, you're like, what is that? You're a strange old dude. That doesn't make any sense. And he builds an ark. And the whole time he'd build, and you're like, why is he building that? Why is he building on land? Why didn't he build it on the lake or on the river or on the sea or whatever, Right? 
And then there's like going to be a flood. What does that mean? And then the flood happens. As Moses, you want to be like, I told you. But it's a cool, awesome experience to be there, though. If you were one of the ones on the boat, you can go, man, this is amazing. When the rains were coming and the flood was happening and you believed that whole time, you're like, this is, this is awesome. How awesome is this that God is doing what he said he's going to do and we're safe and the floods are coming and we're going to be okay. Man, that's awesome. How come God isn't doing stuff like that anymore? Or even David. David coming as a, as a kid, right? Just old enough as some of the youth have, just not quite old enough to be in the military, but he's a teenager, and he's coming and he's helping his brothers, and there's this massive dude, you know, over nine feet tall. We don't even get to see people like that anymore, hardly. Nine feet tall, just mocking his God. And he walks right up to him, takes him out. Takes him out. If you were on the, on the, uh, you know, the Israelite army, and you saw David walk up there, throw that stone at him, knocked him down. I mean, how excited as the army would you be? You'd be jumping up and cheering, right? You've been scared this whole time because of this big dude. Yeah, I ain't fighting him. And then God shows up through David. How exciting would that be? Man, how come God doesn't do some of the cool things he used to do? Well, here's the truth. Truth for this morning. Because I can answer this in several ways. But truth for this morning is that the measure of our obedience determines the measure to which we experience God's blessing. Let me say that again. The measure of our obedience determines the measure in which we experience God's blessing. Psalms 119, 1 and 2 says this, Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statues and seek him with all their hearts. That word bless, right? We understand that word blessed, blessed being the happy, the people that are content in living life to the fullest, experiencing life that God intended. That's what it means to be blessed. Do you experience life the way God intended your life to be? Are you blessed? Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate it day and and night, so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You will be blessed, meditating on the word, letting the word never depart from your mouth. You need to know the whole of God's word so you can obey the whole of God's word. It's not a halfway thing. It's not, I know some verses that gets me through the day. I have, I have a, a, a favorite Bible verse, and that's my verse that gets me through the day. That's good. But it's the whole Bible that's going to allow you to experience the whole God in your life. Luke eleven twenty eight. 
He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It's not, where's God? That's the question. See, the problem with people whenever they ask questions of me and they try to either stump me or, or they don't know, you know, they have these skepticism questions. And the problem with their questions, the problem with what they're doing is their perspective. It's all in how they're viewing it. And it's the same way with the question. Their question is, why does God? Why haven't God? Where is that God? That's not the question. The question is, where are we? Where are we? Why haven't I done what I need to be doing in order to experience what God has for me? Let's go through a couple uh, of of examples here. There's a there's a place called Megiddo. Megiddo is a place in uh, <clears throat> up north of uh, Israel, um, part of uh, north of Jerusalem. It's one of the oldest cities in the world. All right? It was a strategic place for military to have the advantage to take that region. It was a very well-known place that needed to uh, be where God says that this is the place that will, if this place falls, no, I'm sorry, that's the next place, Th- this one, sorry. But this is a strategic place for, uh, also for salmon, Solomon. Man, let's get the right words out. For Solomon. All right, there is a, there's a region that has 26 layers deep of civilization, all right, that valued that city. It is also the place where God is, is going to have Armageddon. This site is where Israel took over with Solomon. This is the site where Solomon, as the wisest man who ever lived, did not apply some wisdom. Did not apply some wisdom to his obedience. See, Solomon at this place was a place for him, was the place for all his horses and his chariots. The entire city was basically a place where he could have all his horses and all his chariots. The cool thing is that he had his horses imported from Egypt. So these were nice horses. Okay? And he took care of these horses, and these were uh, horses that he wanted to, uh, to show off, just like every other king. Back 1 Kings 4.26 says, Solomon had 4,000 stalls for chariot horses and 12,000 horses. Also in Kings 10.28, Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt. It kind of makes sense. If I was going to be king and wanted the best horses, I was going to get them. Deuteronomy 17 talks about this, that the king, moreover, must not acquire great number of horses for himself. Whoa. Or make the people return to Egypt to get none of them. What? 
For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. That was way in Deuteronomy. That's way before Kings. So here's Solomon, Mr. Wise Guy, made some compromises. He knew God's truth because he would know the book of Deuteronomy. He knew God's truth, but he stopped trusting in that truth. Not to live God's truth. And because of that, Solomon did not get the full experience, all that God had for him. He wanted to compete with other kings of this world. He focused on the wrong thing. And as a result, this is the result, disobedience led to loss. 1 Kings eleven eleven. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I command you. I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. God, or Solomon did not get the full experience of what God had for him because of his disobedience. He tried to he put his trust in the things of God instead of God himself. That's why there's this old rabbi saying, because <clears throat> you know, Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived. But the rabbis say, would you like to be wiser than Solomon? Of course, anybody would say, absolutely. And then they would say, well, then obey. If you want to be wiser than Solomon, then obey. <clears throat> Let's look at the next cities. Lachish. Lachish comes from the story of Hezekiah and his faith in 2 Kings 18. We won't read a lot of, of that, but we will know that the city is the gate city to Jerusalem. This is the one where if you take this city and you take Jerusalem. In fact, there is an, an Assyrian army led uh, by a, a big dude who was willing to take down everybody and anyone, willing to break this city to the ground. And 50,000 people lost their lives there. These were the type of army that nothing could stop them. Except Hezekiah. Why? Because Hezekiah knew his God was bigger than anything in this world. Hezekiah, first thing, dropped to his knees. And he proclaimed God's promises. And when he did that, God showed up. <clears throat> and in 2 Kings 18, 5 and 6, it says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Then there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow, did not cease to follow him. He kept his commandments 
for the Lord that was given to Moses. And as a result of that, obedience led to gain. Obedience led to gain. Because right after that, 2 Kings 18.7 says, And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Obedience led to gain. He got to experience what God wanted for him in his life through experience. Here's something very cool and very interesting about a Hezekiah. We want to talk about obedience to the fullest. Everybody know that there's this thing about Jewish people eating pork, right? Jewish is not supposed to be eating pork. I mean, it's a biblical thing. Told them not to be eating the unclean, okay, and all this uh, kind of thing. But there have been archaeologists can discover and find a nutritional value throughout history. And throughout history, they find the civilizations during the time of certain people, and they find things like pig bones, and they find different uh, things that allow nutrition. And they say, they say throughout like places during Josiah, 55% of pig bones were discovered thinking that they ate pork. During Samson, 25% of the Israelites ate pork. In fact, even during David, it was 20% for David. The thing is, is just like me, they love bacon. I don't see why not. If I were them and I, what's the big deal? You ever question something that you know you're not supposed to do with? If God wanted me to have it, he wouldn't have made it. You know what the cool thing about Hezekiah's day is? Zero percent. Zero percent pig bones. Zero percent of uh, nutritional value that led them of eating pork. You want to talk about a man who was obedient and faithful. We'll also talk about a man who experienced God in his life. So what's the application here? Well, it's kind of simple. If we want to experience God's blessing, we need to make the choice to obey in every area of our life. Every area. We can't be picky. We can't pick and choose what places that seem more comfortable. We can't pick that this scripture is better than this scripture. Oh, I can do that. That's easy. But this scripture, that's a little hard. Maybe I'll, you know, wait on that one. It's every area. James 1, 22 and 25. Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Man, that sounds easy. The man who looks internally into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. Why haven't I experienced what God has for me? Why haven't I been blessed in this area? Well, what have I been doing? 
When we fall to obey God, it keeps us from the experiencing who he is. Not just the big areas of our lives, but even the little things. Even the little things that lead to the big areas. Here's a couple questions. Question one, where am I not obeying his truth? Obeying his truth. Where am I not obedient to his word? Is it putting him first? I mean, we've heard the stories like Eli, great high priest. He was told specifically to train his kids up. To teach his kids about the word and about being obedient. And then when his sons were bad, Eli was also having a bad time. Why? Because he didn't do what God told him to do. He didn't train up his kids. He didn't educate his kids on who God is for their lives. To, to be obedient. He was told to seek God first and all his ways. But sometimes life gets in the way. And maybe we pursue the works of God instead of God himself. Let me tell you, that's when we miss the touch. That's when we miss his experiences. Maybe serving others is a thing that we don't put in the forefront here. Maybe you feel that you served others enough in time and, you know, maybe it's time to do something for me. Here you're making horses stall and it's no big deal. Having horses and chariots, no big deal. Then we become strange and don't seem to grow deeper in our walk with the Lord. And we want to know why. Maybe it's forgiveness. We have to remember that forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is all for you. Because we just naturally tend not to let things go. I just can't let it go. No one would forgive that of me. No one would forgive this, but are we pushing God to the side? When we don't forgive, it's just disobedience. Maybe it's in your giving. Maybe we feel like that I need this this money, this check, this month, just to make it more than I could give to the church. But we need to remember that that's robbing God and as we fall in love with the things of God and not God himself. Maybe it's your presence at the church. When 
we go to church. We decide when, when is the right time to be in the house of God on our own. We need to gather ourselves together and lift each other up. That's what church is all about. To lift each other up, to be supportive, to be better together. Community is what makes the 12 disciples who they are. Community is what makes Christians who they are. As we disobey him, we are pushing him to the side of our lives. Another question we could ask is what will people find when they discover the buried remnants of our lives? Like I said, archaeologists can find nutritional value throughout history. If they were to bury something of us during our time, what remnants would they find in our lives? What will they see when they dig up our pig bones? What would they find if someone could unbury the things you cleared from the history of your browser? The fact is, there will be a day. There will be a day when God unearths and judges all of the hidden remnants of our lives. And let me tell you, well, what's going on right now? <clears throat> it's soon. It is very, very soon. We may not know the day or the hour, but we definitely can recognize the season. That's biblical. And it's soon. Ecclesiastes twelve fourteen says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether that is good or evil. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes, and he will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. Hmm. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. God's going to do or one day he's going to uncover the hidden realities of our lives. But are we ready? And are we already experiencing the consequences of those realities? Is it loss? Is it, do we wonder why we aren't experiencing God in a contained, profound, awesome way? Will we have these hidden things of disobedience that we have <clears throat> rationalized that everyone else is doing it? That kind of sets up bad news. And this is going to sound like a salvation message now, but it's what we need. It's the bad news. The bad news is we've blown it. We've all blown it. We've all messed up. 
1 John 1, 8 and 10, if we <clears throat> claim, to, claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. We've blown it. If we're not fully following him in every area of our lives, if we're not fully all in to what God has for us, we're calling him a liar and he has no place in our lives. I wonder why we haven't been experiencing it. It's no wonder I'm getting what I'm getting. It's no wonder I'm becoming the person I don't like being. And we have to be honest about the bad news. See, the problem with making out that there is no bad news is that if we don't acknowledge that bad news, you can never experience the good news. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We know that one. But we also, thank God, know the good news. And the good news is, is we can be forgiven. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? That's amazing that we can be forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Man, I'm so glad that I don't have to do the things that they had to do in the Old Testament to be forgiven. All right? it'll, it'll take me an hour or so just to explain what they had to do. But isn't it amazing because of God and his son through the cross all we have to do is just look to him, speak it, and believe it in our hearts, and it's done. And that's the thing. We need to acknowledge our need. Solomon rationalized with his sins, but Hezekiah acknowledged them. See, this is why Jesus came. That's why he came. This is why he's the only way. It's because Jesus is the only person who came to this earth and walked total, totally in obedience. Every second of his life, he walked in obedience. He was perfect. There's no pig bones on him. No buried remnants that you will find from No private browsing. Total, defined by obedience. What a legacy to be defined by obedience. If someone would remember who you are, would they define you as obedient? When he died on the cross, he took our place for our sin to deserve death. Not <clears throat> for Because of our sin, we deserve death and not God. His life uh, observed God, not death. When he rose again so that in him we can be defined by obedience. Because of Jesus, you can be defined as obedience. When we accept him, God looks at us through him. 
who is obedient. So now it's called to action. You're called to action. Here's your action step. Start showing your love for God by joyfully obeying him in every area of your life. It's just that simple. Just that simple. But it is easier said than done, isn't it? That's why it takes a daily walk. That's why this sanctification thing is a process daily, but it's a committed daily to be obedient. And as Mary Beth comes, and I'll close. Close with 1 John 5, 3. This is love for God. To obey his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. The Bible says if you love God, you will obey him. If you love me, you obey me. Isn't that what you, isn't that what you expect from your kids? Man, if you would, if sometimes my kids would say that, I love you, Dad. Well, then just do what I tell you to do. And I know I was there as a kid. I know I was the one that, you know, did the things I wasn't supposed to do. And I didn't understand at the time that when I was disobeying my parents, I was showing them that I didn't love or care for what they had in my life. God's the same way. If you are not doing according to his will, if you're not acting upon what he has called you to do in every area of the word of God, and you're basically telling, I don't care about that, which means in a a whole sense that you don't care about the whole thing because it's all in or nothing. It's forward progression or you're falling back. To totally love God is to totally obey Him in every area. And I want to love God. Why? Because I want the full experiences that God has for my life. I want the cool, awesome things that he could have done in, 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 the, in the Bible to happen in my life. I mean, Jesus did tell his disciples, greater things are coming. What? You mean the whole walking on water thing is, is small compared to what we can experience through God? You mean all the healing people, raising people from the dead, all those things that you did, we get to have something even cooler and bigger and better? That's what Jesus said. Well, how come they haven't been happening? Well, let's let's take a look at our obedience. Not just in some things, but in all of it. It's in all of it that he wants our obedience. Because God requires all of our love. Why? Because he gave all his love for us. Let's pray.
Generally, Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you for who you are. And this morning, I want to give an opportunity. I'm not even going to make a call because I'm going to join as myself with the rest of the congregation. I think it's important that we all make the call this morning to be fully obedient to who God is, to God himself, to be fully obedient to his word. God, I don't want to be someone who hears the word. I want to be someone who does the word, who lives the word, who speaks the word. When we do that, God, you're going to give us all you have for us. And I know, God, you're up there just waiting with a smile on your face or urgency to give us some experiences that you think would just blow our minds. But you're waiting for us to give a full commitment and fully love you by we, as we fully obey you. In our walk, in our talk, in our speeches. What we do when we're at home, not at church. When we do when we're in our rooms by ourselves. What we do when we're out with people who don't go to church. God, those are the times you want us to fully obey you. Right now, we commit our lives to you. We commit our obedience to you. We commit our love and our faithfulness to you. God, let us experience all that you have for us. Let us experience some cool, amazing stuff so that people around the world can go, you know what happened in Marion, Arkansas. God showed up. We thank you in advance for those experiences. Let us rejoice in knowing that you're ready and we're ready. Let us no longer wait for you to move in our lives, but let us move for you. We thank you for all that you've done all that you are. In Jesus' precious name, amen.